man. <laughs> me, 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 man. Uh, there should be there should be a sign up on the website, guys, at uh, at midtown.newlivechurch.org. So please join us. This is going to be our first men's breakfast of 2022, and it's going to be it's going to be a good time. In fact, yesterday I just got a word for our men's breakfast, and it's going to be, as the young people would say, it's going to be lit, guys. It's going to just it's going to be fire. It's going to be fire. Hey, I I like starting off. Um, all of our staff meetings, when we gather together as a staff, we like talking about the good news of what's happening around this place. And there's some really great things happening. Yesterday, uh, a lot of our ladies, what, 80, 78 to 80 women? 85. Okay, 85. 85 women from New Life Midtown and some of the other congregations gathered together up in the mountains and had, I heard, just a phenomenal time. Huh? That's amazing, ladies. And I've just heard nothing but raving reports. Christy was texting me all weekend long. Uh, incredible teachings, incredible ministry times, connection times. Uh, I went up to go pick up my daughter yesterday, and there was like this like Holy Spirit-led arts and crafts section going on there. It was amazing. Um, people hearing from the Lord, friendships being made. And I just want to say to all you ladies, I'm so proud of you for going and may the work of the Lord just continue to deepen in your life. What he started at this retreat, let it continue. What he ended at this retreat, don't pick it back up and let the work of the Lord just continue and continue and continue. And for those of you ladies who are not able to make it, um, may the Lord bless you and just know that there's going to be more and more events similar to this throughout the year. Kindred is a blessed women's ministry of New Life Midtown. I just want to say, if Sarah Kinnearum is in the house this morning, I don't know if she is, she'll be in second service, but for those of you who know Sarah Kinnearum, she stepped into the leadership role of Kindred about this time last year, and she has been doing a phenomenal job. So please just shower her with, uh, with your blessing and with your encouragement and your appreciation for all that she put into this weekend. Okay, uh, other good news that's going on in the house last week. I think we told you that Man Middle School, we had 50 people from uh, both Man Middle School and New Life Midtown show up. Stu Davis, who's the director of Cause I Love You, texted me earlier this week, and he said, man, you do not know what it did to my heart to show up to Man Middle School and to see so many members of your congregation pouring out their gifts of service and gifts of love, giving their Saturday morning. He says, bro, you turned a dingy school into something that people could be proud to walk onto, and we're going to be doing more and more of that this year. We have 14 adults showing up to New Life Next today, unless some of you are in the room and you want to join us for lunch right after second service. Guys, the spirit of the Lord is moving here in this house. We have over 40 people who have signed up for fall mission trips. We're having an orientation today, later this afternoon. Um, it is an awesome time to be alive. It's an awesome time to be following the Lord. And don't miss your moment, guys. Don't miss your moment. Okay, I have a couple of things that I want to say about our children's ministry. I told you last week, don't tune me out because I'm giving four weeks in a row to, uh, to putting our eyes again on the power of a godly ministry to children from infant all the way to the fifth grade. So for those of you who've been here for quite some time and you walk out there in that foyer and you look up above the water fountain, you'll see three words. Anybody know what they are? No, <laughs> they, they, they are on there, but they're, they're smaller. Encounter, formation, and mission. And hey, listen, just so you guys know, we, we weren't like looking through 
like brochures and going, oh, those are, those are really good aesthetic words to throw up on a wall. Like those words actually embody the strategic objectives of our mission in this church. Everything that we do from our children's ministry to our table groups to our prayer meetings, I am praying that three things happen. I am praying that when you gather together and when we gather together as the people of God, I'm praying three things happen every single time. Can you guess what they are? Taking you out to lunch, bro. <laughs> encounter, I'm praying that we encounter the living God. Yeah. I am praying that we grow up, that we are formed into the image of the living Christ. And I am praying that we join God and that we're awakened to the fact that we are a part of a marvelous, mighty, miraculous, powerful mission to help bring the kingdom of God into the realm of the earth and to introduce people to the savior of the world. Like I'm praying that those three things happen every time we gather together. Several months ago, I met with our Generation Ministries team, which is comprised of Rachel, who oversees children, Christian Tonkins, who oversees our youth, GC, woot woot to the GC, and Aaron Brown, who oversees 20s and 30s. And I gave them a task, and it took probably several months. And I said, guys, I want you to take the missional objectives of our church, encounter formation and mission, and I want you to translate those down, and I want you to make those generation and age specific. And so here's what they came up with, and we can show the slide right here. They came up with three words, which I absolutely love. So for our children and our youth and our young adults, we've taken the word encounter because I said, guys, like an 8-year-old or a 12-year-old, they may not necessarily intuitively grasp what it means to encounter God. So here's what they said. We want our children to experience the living God. Right? So just so you guys know, when we bless our kids and we send them over next door, we're not just sending them over to games. We are, we are, we are praying that our children experience a living God, not just God of stories, not just a children's book God, but a God who is alive today. Several months ago, Rachel came to me and she said, Pastor, I have an idea that I'd like to run by you. She said, I'd like to create some space in every one of our gatherings where our children take time to actually listen to the Holy Spirit and learn how to develop an ear where even at a young age they can discern the voice of God. You remember there's a young boy by the name of Samuel. He was sleeping and he heard the voice of the Lord, Samuel, Samuel. He didn't know it was the voice of God. He ran to the prophet Eli and he says, here I am. And after several times of doing this, the old prophet realized this is the voice of God. And so he told Samuel, go back and when you hear it again, he says, simply respond back and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And one of the ways that we become a people that are led by the Spirit, that flow in the gifts of the Spirit, that walk in the Spirit, is that we learn how to develop an ear for the Spirit of God who speaks to us today. And why wait until we're into our 20s and 30s and 40s to learn how to do that? We want our children to learn how to hear the voice of God today. Yesterday, I was talking with my daughter. I brought her home a little bit early from the retreat, and I asked her, I said, hey, what was some of the highlights of the retreat? And she recounted a moment in her quiet time where she felt like God was speaking to her. And it bore witness with me. It sounded like the voice of God when she shared that story with me. Which, by the way, moms and dads, this is an awesome opportunity for you to help coach and for you to help train your children to hear the voice of the Lord because you know what the voice of God sounds like. The voice of God never sounds like condemnation. The voice of God is never presumptuous. 
And so this is an awesome opportunity for moms and dads and grandparents to multi-generationally get into the discipleship of children, right? Okay, number two, we've translated the word formation into simply grow in God. Grow in God. We want to help our kids grow in God. Not just learn stories, not just, you know, recite facts, but actually grow in their spiritual character, grow in their understanding of the character and nature of God. And then finally, I love this. Experience God, grow God, grow in God, and then join God. Join God. And the thing I love about this is the fact that God is at work every day in the lives of the people that are around us. God is at work in the soccer team or the baseball team or the dance studio that our children are a part of. He's at work there. He's at work in their lives. He's at work in those family units. And what we're teaching our children to do is to watch for, to look for, and to discern, oh, I see God at work here. I see God at work in my lonely friend. I I see God at work in this person whose parents are going through a challenging time. And we want to teach our children how to insert themselves into the work of God and join him in what he's doing. So friends, listen, this is amazing, right? And, and this is vital. I said this last week that we have a window of opportunity. 85% of children ages 4 to 14 make a decision for Jesus before 14 years old. And we as a community of faith have an opportunity to join God in reaching the lives and the destinies of the next generation. So I am unabashedly and unashamedly going to be pushing this more and more and more. And I, want to rec- I need to recruit 25 people in the next six weeks. 25. That, seems, that feels very daunting to me. But we have a very thin bench right now, and we need to build a deep bench to reach the next generation and to help those people who are currently serving. So if you have any questions or you're interested in any way, you can go through these double doors right here. And you'll notice on this wall that says Encounter Formation and Mission, we're going to have some reps there available to uh, talk with you about helping out with our children's ministry from infant to fifth grade. Okay, thanks for letting me share that and for not tuning me out. At least least not all of you tuned me out. Okay. All right, guys. um, I'm actually going to talk about this second point here. It says grow in God. For those of you who are joining us for the very first time today, welcome. Thanks for joining us here at New Life Midtown. My name is Jay Duncan, lead pastor here. It's an honor to serve in this capacity. We've been on a series on who is the Holy Spirit over the past few weeks. And we're going to take this series right up to Pentecost Sunday. And and we might even go a couple of weeks over because there's, there's some things that I feel like that we need to explore that we just don't have time to touch in the next three Sundays together. So we might, we might spill over past Pentecost a little bit. By the way, Pentecost Sunday is the first Sunday of June. Come ready. Come ready. I am praying for a fresh infilling, and I'm so bummed I'm not going to be here on Pentecost Sunday. Christy's not going to be here, and Jonathan's not going to be here. So I need the church to carry the weight and the strength and the energy and the life of the Spirit on that Sunday morning. Jonathan's going to be in Romania, Macedonia. Christy and I are going to be joining the Costa Rica team in Costa Rica on a mission trip there. So church, like come and be prayed up and come alive and be expecting a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Today, I want to talk about, I, 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 need, I need permission to be a little frank today. Can, can, I, can I be frank? Thank you, Isaac. Thank you. I just needed one. I just needed one. And I got it from, I got two, right? All the new people are like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen right now? <clears throat> and I need to be frank because I'm, I'm sensing and I'm discerning. You know, by the way, whenever, whenever a preacher gets up and preaches a message, the good ones anyways, 
We're not, we're not just trying to like just pour out information. Like this isn't, this isn't just a classroom where we're trying to like go over Bible facts and Bible trivia. We're not trying to arm you with that. We're trying to discern what is the spirit of God doing and saying in this local community. This is one of the values of actually belonging to a local community. Christy and I were talking this morning about one of the challenges where we actually make another community out there that might, you know, have an incredible production team or really engaging speakers. One of the challenges and one of the difficulties when we make another community out there, our community, is that, is that we're actually missing out on what the Spirit of God is doing locally and uniquely in a people. Are you hearing me today? And so God is doing something unique and specific in all of the New Life congregations at large, but in each and every one of those individually. And here's the sense that I have. The sense that I have is that, and, and, and I think generally speaking, the sense that I have is that I don't see or observe like I used to 20, 30 years ago. This same level of spiritual hunger to grow up in God. Now, I, I need to pull on maybe some people who are a little bit older in the faith than me. And as you look around, as you think about um, kind of exegeting the cultural landscape, as you think about the tenor of church and church life, I mean, just, just ask yourself, do you see the same level of hunger to grow in God in the church at large? Because this, this is kind of part of what I'm observing uh, there was a book that was written several years ago called The Juvenilization of the American Church. And the premise of that book very simply was how many people in the American church are comfortable living with a spiritual adolescence. A spiritual adolescence. Like for whatever reason, there's this internal aversion to maturity and to maturing in God. So I want to lean into this a little bit this morning, and I want to start by actually showcasing um, a, a man who's been a faithful part of our church for several years. How many of you know, whether by his preaching on the stage or by his stage ministry or got to know him personally, Sidron Smith? Anybody know Sidron Smith? And by the way, there's, there are plenty of men and women in this church that I could point to that have been pillars of maturity in the church to which I am indebted to and I am extremely grateful for. What I want to do is I want to point our eyes to people that have lived faithfully in God for decades, like the Bixlers, right? Like the Rices, people that have fought to remain faithful to Jesus, right? People who have been married for three decades or more. There's something that you purchase. There is a weight of authority that you purchase when you fight for that, the Hales who have just joined us several months ago, these guys have lived in God for decades. They fought for spiritual maturity because it doesn't come naturally and it doesn't come easily. Right. Isn't that right? Spiritual maturity is not automatic. Right. It's not automatic. Growth in any area of your life, with the exception of your bone structure, is not automatic. Okay? You grow. And then you stop growing, and then that's it. But in every other area of your life, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in skill sets, relationally, leadership, none of that is automatic. Right. It takes conscious, intentional, diligent, determined, disciplined effort 
to grow and to get better and to mature. I stumbled across this on my desk, and I had forgotten about this. Does this look familiar to you, sir? This is called the Passport to Greatness, and when Sidron, this is actually dated here in, my goodness, sometime in the mid-90s. But Sidron was in Hawaii. I didn't remember, you were in Hawaii? He was in Hawaii, and he went through a year-long discipleship leadership, ministry leadership course. I began reading through this. Listen to this. There is a commitment that every one of these people make that includes not only their devotional life, an entire New Testament reading plan, and then there are eight phases over the course of one year. They have a pre-encounter, then they have with goals, then they have an encounter, which is a a two-and-a-half-day retreat, where they get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and deliverance and identifying strongholds and and, and breaking things off of their life, five-week courses for the pre-encounter. Then after the encounter, they go through a membership class, which is Destination 3. Then they go through a post-encounter, which is 10 weeks, 90-minute classes per week. Then after that, they go through Level 1 School of Leaders, 10 weeks, 90-minute sessions, After School of Leaders Level 1, there's School of Leaders Level 2, 10 weeks, 90-minute classes. And then all of this is actually to prepare every one of these people to be a life group leader. You can't even lead a small group (laughs) until you've gone through about 9 months to 12 months of discipleship, counseling, Bible study, ministry. I I was like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? (laughs) This is incredible. And when you look at someone's life, when you look at someone who you look up to in the Lord, I'm just here to tell you, it may not have been this, but it has been something that someone has committed to on a conscious level that has helped them to grow spiritually. All right, so grab your Bibles and let's just dive in on how we can partner with the Holy Spirit in our maturity in Christ. All right, in the scriptures, we have three primary metaphors for how the Holy Spirit is at work in the Christian life. And by the way, I'm going to show my cards early. And my cards very simply is, I want to help to inspire and motivate and even remotely equip every single one of us to desire to grow up and to mature in God afresh and anew. Please don't hear any of this as condemnation. None of the, this is not coming from a condemning heart. Even the observation looking around, it's not coming from a spirit or from an attitude of condemnation. It's coming from a deep sense of a spiritual alarm, right? It's coming from a sense of God, we do not want to be a lukewarm church in this hour, right? right? Of, of, of all the hours of history, this is an hour where the people of God need to be awake and need to be pursuing in partnership with the Holy Spirit growth and development, right? We don't want to remain infants, and we don't want to remain juvenile or adolescent in our spiritual maturity, which means it's going to require some work, and this is why I asked for permission. I'm going to be candid because kind of like in the spirit of a coach, I'm going to be, I'm going to be challenging us today to be awakened to grow in God again. For those of you who are like, hey man, I'm already on a track, well done, and receive all of this as encouragement today. Three primary metaphors for the Christian life. Very simply, number one, we see the metaphor of sickness and health, right? Very simply, we're sick in our soul. 
We're sick in our spirit. Sin has introduced a spiritual disease. And by the word and by belonging to community and by working in partnership with the Holy Spirit, he is making us more and more whole. Part of the Christian journey is a journey towards wholeness. All right, here's another metaphor that we find. It's the metaphor of the journey of faith. Genesis chapter 12, we see that God calls Abraham out of his country and out of his father's household. Jesus, throughout the Gospels, he calls his disciples. And he doesn't tell them exactly what he's going to do. He just says, follow me on a journey of walking together. And in the process of us journeying together, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make you into something that you're not. It's a metaphor for the Christian life. You look at Hebrews chapter 12, and you see the, the heroes of the faith, and the entire narrative there is a narrative of journey. We are walking with God. We are learning to follow God. Third metaphor we see in the scriptures is the metaphor of infancy and maturity. A couple of weeks ago, I started off one of the messages out of John chapter 3, where Jesus is essentially creating this metaphor of, of being born again. He's using this language of birth. So when you and I became Christians, the Bible speaks to that moment and it speaks to that season as spiritual birth or spiritual infancy, right? None of us come into God uh, as spiritual adults. None of us come into the faith with maturity, we all start at the same level playing ground as babies. In fact, look with me, if you would, at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. I'm going to read actually verse 1. I don't think we have it in the slide, but I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit. Rid yourself of hypocrisy. Rid yourself of envy and slander of every kind. Now, I don't know about you, but those things are hard things to rid myself of, yeah. right? There is something that is innately ingrained in me to be envious and to be slanderous and to be hypocritical. And this is a part of the maturity process. When you identify things that are not in alignment with the character and the nature of God, here's what scripture says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Attack it. Don't tolerate it. Don't justify it. Don't excuse it. Right? When you excuse bad habits in your character and in your spiritual formation, they only compound. They get worse over time. And before you know it, they turn into strongholds. Yeah. Right? To use a sports metaphor, if you start off with bad form and you just keep practicing that bad form over and over and over again in a golf swing, in the shot put, in the discus, in your running, in your throwing of a ball, in your shooting of a ball, you're gonna, all you're going to do is you're going to perpetually lock in bad mechanics, which means it gets harder to break bad mechanics in order to create good mechanics. Poor character and good character cannot coexist in the Christian faith. One has to win. Look at verse 2. Therefore, oh, verse, verse 1, verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Crave. Listen to that language. You ever seen a baby who's missed their feeding? Isn't that pretty? 
But this is what he said. Like, don't be offended that the scripture's calling you a baby. He's using this analogy. He's saying, if you've ever seen a baby miss a meal and they get crazy, hangry, right? He was like, that's the same level of tenacity and intensity that we could have and that we should have if you want to grow up in God. This right here, craving the milk of God's word, it is indispensable. And, and it seems, and I, I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. Some of you older veterans in the faith may know more about this than I do, or maybe some of you younger ones. But as I look across the landscape, I, I just, I don't see the same level of spiritual hunger for the word of God. A podcast, listening to guys have interviews about theology, listening to, you know, fun and engaging preachers is not a substitute for craving the pure spiritual milk of reading the word and meditating the word and memorizing the word. Like, where are the programs that we had, like, when we were kids, like, we learned how to memorize the scripture. And it is absolutely essential for forming Christian character and to fighting the devil. But you cannot fight off spiritual battles if you are weak and anemic in the word of God. This is going to feel very basic. It's going to feel very elementary today. But I'm talking about moving from infancy into maturity in our lives. Friends, crave the word of God. Crave it. And honestly, what's ironic is that we have more tools We have more supplemental resources than we've ever had in the history of humanity. And yet the hunger level for the word of God seems lower than it's ever been before. Get in your Bibles. All right. All right. So look at this. When you drink the milk of God's word, you grow up. Everybody say grow up. You grow up in your salvation. You grow up in your salvation. This is the way that Paul framed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Some of this might sound familiar to some of you. Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned things out like a child. And you can apply this to every area of your life. Just basic living, basic responsibility. And how many of you know that there are actually kind of Infant or childish ways to engage spiritual truths and the word of God. How many of you seen this in your own life? That you used to read certain scriptures and you just read it from a selfish, kind of self-absorbed perspective. And you just, I mean, that's where you were. But then somebody like Chris Green comes along and he says, well, actually, why don't we look at it like this? And then you're just like, just blows your mind. And you realize, oh my God, all this time, I've just been reading that from such a selfish perspective. Don't feel any condemnation on that part. That's just the Christian journey, right? When you look at little kids, little kids look at all of life from the, from the perspective of mine and me. And as children develop, they begin to realize all of the world doesn't revolve around me. Like in healthy growth and maturity. So this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that I, part of my journey in God was, there was a time I was a child and I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned the scriptures like a child. I, I thought about things like offense and forgiveness from a childish perspective. 
I thought about the hard realities of growing in God, and I skirted those things because why? It was difficult. It was inconvenient. And children or infants don't naturally gravitate towards things that are difficult for the sole purpose of growth. Are are you hearing me today? Like when you mature, you recognize and realize that in order to grow, I'm going to have to do hard things. Boring, dry, monotonous, challenging, ego-busting things that are part of dying to the sinful character that's inside of me because I want maturity and I want the life of God more. I was reminded in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is speaking to his young son in the faith. And in chapter 3, verse 1, this is what he says. He says, it is desirable. It is a noble task when someone desires to be an elder, a bishop, an overseer. Let me translate this. Paul is essentially telling his young son in the faith. He says, when someone desires with the healthy motivation to grow up in their own life in order that they can be of service to the body of Christ, he says, Timothy, that's noble. That's good. And how many of you who serve in any kind of leadership capacity at all? I'm looking at Kanita, and I'm reminded that she serves on the board of TCA. That's, that takes time. It takes a commitment. It's not convenient. It's a sacrifice. There's nights where she has to spend away from her family. She has to weigh in on decisions. She probably has to learn things that she wasn't learning before. If you serve in any kind of leadership or volunteer capacity whatsoever, it costs you. And there's probably a lot of times where you're asking yourself, why why did I do this again? It feels like the cost, it feels the cost is greater than the benefit. Friends, welcome to spiritual maturity. Welcome to parenting, naturally or spiritually. Welcome to leadership, right? It's the entire premise of maturity and leadership, that you choose to grow in order to be a service to other people, and it may not ever be recognized, and it may not ever be affirmed, and it may never be celebrated, but you're doing it because there's something deep inside of you that's calling you to one of the reasons why you were created, You were created for spiritual maturity. Maturity. This is what Gordon T. Smith says. He says, if we are walking in the spirit, we will sense the constant movement in our hearts toward spiritual maturity and adult faith. If we're walking in the spirit. Like I've never thought about walking in the spirit from that perspective. Like, if we're all honest, if we're not careful, we can think about things of the Spirit in a juvenile way. Man, I'm, I'm not getting much help in the house today. But you know what? I'm thinking like an adult, so I don't need your help today. When I was a child, I need... I'm just kidding. <laughs> Walking in the Spirit means that we sense the perpetual prodding and invitation of God to grow to grow, to grow. Like as a, as a father of four, one of my primary assignments and motivations and the way that I process everything that's happening with these four children, ages eight to 14, I'm thinking, how in the short amount of time that I have them, can I help them mature into fully functioning adults 
and contributing citizens in the kingdom of God and in the world. And that, that touches everything from helping them cook for themselves, clean for themselves, clean up after themselves, steward their own rooms, to the way that they handle conflict with one another, to understanding why they engage in education, everything that I'm doing, how to, hand, how to have a good, meaningful conversation with people, everything that I'm doing around their lives is how do I help them mature yeah. and grow yeah. into young adulthood and to adulthood. Let's look at another quote here by Gordon T. Smith. Spiritual growth toward maturity is a requirement. This is not optional. This is a non-negotiable. When you signed up for Christian faith, you signed up to grow up. <laughs> right? You signed up to grow up. It is a requirement. It is an expectation. It is an integral part of what it means to be a Christian believer. Now, we've seen this in the failure to launch of an entire generation of young adults. Now, I'm not talking about falling on hard times. I'm not talking about needing the help and the shelter and the security of parents. Christine and I lived with her parents for a couple of years, and it was invaluable. But I'm talking about the failure to launch, the, the unwillingness and the lack of desire to live a fully functioning life of responsibility and dependence that we independence that we see sociologically around us. And that's creeping. It's creeping into the church. Right? Four areas, four aspects of Christian maturity. I'm not going to explain these today, but I think these are good for your notes. These these become good like compass marks. Like these become good kind of trailheads. These become good areas to look at and say, am I growing in these areas? I'm just going to read them, then I'm going to move on. Number one, when we find ourselves maturing spiritually, we find ourselves becoming increasingly more wise. And that's in every area of our life. All right, the book of Proverbs speaks to this. We become wise in the way we handle our words. We become wise in the way that we think about the consequence of our actions, our prudence. We're not foolish as Proverbs speaks about foolish. Number two, another aspect of Christian maturity is that we love others. Part of your maturity process is learning how to love difficult people. And by the way, listen, this, all of these things are not for us to figure out on our own. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us become increasingly wise. The Holy Spirit has helped us in the laboratory of maturity by helping us to love other people who might just be a little bit more difficult to love, might rub up against you a little bit. All right, number three, to have clarity about our vocation. Part of your maturity process is that you begin to develop some definition and that you begin to develop a sense of calling and vocation, right? Generally speaking, what I'm referring to here, not I'm not referring to like you know exactly what you're supposed to to, to, to do in terms of work in your life. I'm talking about this, the, the fact that every single one of us have been called into the will of God. Another way of saying this is the way that we budget and steward our time are for things that are eternal in nature and value. You begin to see a shift when you mature. 
Now, I, I've seen this with our young adults. I've seen young men who, at seasons of their lives, like gobs and gobs and gobs of time on like Minecraft and Call of Duty. And then they get married, then they have kids. And you're like, hey, man, you want to hang out tonight? And they're like, bro, I, dude, if I hang out late tonight, I can't help with the kids tomorrow morning. And I'm like, you just grew up, right? You just, you, you just think about what you do with your time differently, and that's what this is speaking about. We begin to have a clarity about how we steward the time that's been given to us to do things that are meaningful and purposeful. All right, number four, we begin to grow in emotional holiness, Fear and insecurity and resentment and bitterness, we become more aware of those things. And we begin to seek out tools to grow in our emotional holiness or our emotional maturity. Okay, think about those things. All right, let me get down to brass tacks here. A couple areas, there's, there's dozens of ways that we could grow up. But two that I want to lean on today, and they're very, very simple. I think they're simple. They're simple in, in concept. But they're actually pretty difficult to walk out. The first is this. It is a commitment to obedience. It is a commitment to obedience, right? You cannot get away from obedience to the scriptures and assume that you're going to mature. You cannot grow up if you take obedience to God flippantly. Are are, are we clear on that, right? Everything that I ask my children to do has a purpose behind it. Everything. Even, even down to like how we load dishes. No, you, you think you're being, I'm not just being technical. I'm teaching them things, all right, that are important to their maturity. And if you just handle that stuff flippantly, if you handle that stuff lightly, you're missing an opportunity. You're missing, and every single one of us have experienced this in some arena of our lives. And that, right, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you know, fly for Delta and just go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this the way that I want to do it, right? right? <laughs> really? You can do that, but you ain't flying these friendly skies, okay? There's a way to do things. And sometimes learning a way that is not intuitive or a way that's desirable is a part of your maturity process, okay? So commitment to obedience. Let's look at a couple of scriptures really quickly. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 21 through 27. Matthew chapter 7. Right, beginning in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. We can translate that and say, the one who is committed by the Holy Spirit to obedience. Because I cannot stress this enough. Like the kind of the, the, the flippant, oh, like, improper, unhealthy, oversaturated approach to grace. There is a healthy approach to grace, listen. But when we use grace as a cop-out to obey, we're missing an opportunity to mature. So only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven, and many will say to me, but Lord... Man, we prophesied, and we shouted, and we preached, and we cast out devils, and we walked in the gifts, and these things were amazing. We did all this for you, Lord. We did all this in your name. And he's going to say, listen, I don't even know who you are. I don't even know who you are. Why? Because obedience is an indicator of your faithful followership to Jesus. Do what I say, and do it my way. Do what I say 
and do it my way. And do it with a good spirit and do it with a good attitude and you will see fruit in your life. One of the first messages I ever preached as a kid when I was 16 years old was out of this next passage beginning in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, who obeys them, who is diligent, who is determined to say, God, if you say it, I'm going to obey it. It's going to be difficult, but if you say give it, I'm going to give it. If you say reach out, guys, I cannot tell you how many times over the course of my, my short 30 years in God, I'd come across a scripture and the Holy Spirit will say, like, do that and do it now. And there have been moments, I'm not flawless, there have been moments where I've, I've delayed. You guys know, you've been there. And you're like, oh, let me just write that in my journal. I'll just save that for later. I'm just going to marinate on that, right? And months later, right, you ain't do it. You ain't do it. There were times when, when the Lord speak to Christy and she would, the Lord would say, like, I want you to reach out to this person who offended you. I want you to, I want you to reach out. And Christy, I love this. She was like, if I, did not, if I did not do it now, she was like, it just wouldn't happen. And she'd pick up the call. Like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm calling someone. So I'm like, why? She's like, because the Lord told me to. I'm going to do it right now. There have been times where I felt like the Lord told me to give something. And a good heart, good intention. And I was like, oh, I'll get home. And when I get home, I'll grab the checkbook. Months gone by. Oh, missed, missed a moment. Missed an opportunity. Like there, there is something in God where there are windows of opportunity to obey. And if you don't do it, friend, you will miss it. You'll miss it. And what we want to develop as growing, maturing saints of God, we want to develop a sensitivity to spirit and word, and we want to develop an, an immediate obedience. Like you don't have to always understand. Like moms and dads, supervisors, shift managers, like you just, just tell me, does, there, does everybody always understand when you ask them? Like, and you could sit there and take hours and try to explain to them, and they still ain't going to understand. Because sometimes the issue is not, sometimes the issue is not about understanding. It's just about doing it. And then the understanding will come. And sometimes you just have to make a way out of doing it. And then, and then obedience positions you in a place for understanding later. Like you, need to, you need to catch that because consistent obedience will position you into a place of understanding later. All right, classic karate kid. You guys go watch the movie. You'll figure it out. Okay, just, just because I think it has to be said, James chapter, I didn't even finish Matthew 7. Read it on your own. It's really good. Foundation. You won't fall. All that. It's, I'm running out of time. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. You know, as I was, as I was putting this message together, I was reminded, friends, listen, these were foundation stone scriptures in my development. Foundation stones. Cornerstones. Jade, the scriptures demand and command obedience. Meditate on those. They are non-negotiable. And I want to I keep blowing this trumpet to a, a new and a younger generation. You will not grow up into victory. You will not grow up into maturity. Your relationships will be anemic. You will not experience fruitfulness and flourishing in any area of the Christian life if obedience is something that just becomes secondary. 
right? It is pivotal to the Christian's life of growth and maturity. Okay, the book of James, chapter 1. Look with me at this well-known passage of Scripture here in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word. Because if you just listen to the word, what does the word say? It's right. You guys can read that. It's okay. You can read that. Say it. You will deceive yourselves. And I just wonder how many of us walk in here every Sunday and we listen to a good word. Mmm, this is good. And we just roll out. And the current of life sweeps us into the vortex of busyness and entertainment and, and responsibility. And you just ask somebody, like even myself, guys. You're like, hey, what you, would you preach on two days ago? What? I'm just a mouthpiece, bro. I just preach this stuff. But you got to dig. You got to dig, man. You got to. This is why table groups are so important. This is why learning as husbands and wives, listen, one of the things I'm going to be moving towards is how do I help equip and resource you even to have meaningful conversations around the prophetic word week in and week out with your friends, with your roommates, with your spouses, with your children? Because that's how growth happens. Growth isn't happening right now. It's not happening right now. Growth is happening when you take a scripture, where you take a point, and you sit down with someone, and you go, what, what did that mean? What did that look like? What are your challenges to that? What are the roadblocks? What are the obstacles? What's the thing inside of you that resists that? And you wrestle that to the ground with the Holy Spirit in community. You know what's happening in that moment? You're growing. And you do that over and over and over again, and before you know it, you grow into spiritual maturity. All right, here, I'm just going to read these verses. Jonathan, you could come up if you would like. And if you don't, then we'll, we'll just figure it out. <laughs> oh, Ephesians chapter 4. These are, these are really, really good verses, guys. Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, let's read these together. Not out loud. I'll read, but you, you follow along. So Christ himself gave apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Fivefold ministry. And table ministries, you guys can come forward if you'd like. Uh, verse 12, why, why do the vocational ministry gifts exist? They're, they're not for name cards and they're not for some sense of title or entitlement. They're functional for a purpose. And here's why they exist. To equip you for your work of ministry in the world. Your work of ministry as sons and daughters of God, as teachers, as, as faithful single people, that's part of your ministry right now. If you're single right now, part of your ministry is to be a faithful, pure, holy, single man or woman. It's a holy vocation. And part of my job is to help equip you, to encourage you, to hold you accountable, to remind you, to frustrate you by the Spirit, right? You're like, we already frustrated, Pastor. You don't need to frustrate us more anymore. We frustrated. To equip his people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be, say it with me, built up. Listen to this. God expects maturity. He expects his church to be built up, to be strong, to be ready, to be ready. Verse 13. Why is all this happening? And, and unto what end? Until we all reach unity in the faith. It's not enough for a segment of us to reach unity. God's desire is that every single individual of his church 
move towards maturity and unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Say become mature. mature. Guys, that's, that's part of the will of God for your life. That's part of the invitation. And it's part of the expectation. By grace and by His Spirit that you become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I'm just going to read these. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, which implies you were infants at one point. And here's the danger of remaining an infant. Look at this. Tossed to and fro, back and forth, by every wind and wave of doctrine. I've seen this now as a pastor. 21 years of being in the pastoral ministry. It's like it's like fad Christians. Trends. Oh, this is so amazing. And, you know, we just, we just bounce back and forth. No rootedness. No stability because we're always running around to the next big church or the next big preacher or the next big movement in the spirit or the next big idea that's out there. Get rooted. Get planted. There's nothing, there's nothing sexy about getting planted. This is tree. It's not, it's, not, it's not glamorous. Yeah, but that's how you produce fruit. Right? We'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love. It's a mark of maturity. And you can't learn how to speak truth in love in isolation. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Now watch this, verse 16. From him, the whole body, say whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's you and me, we grow and we build ourselves up as each one of us does our work. We can't grow unless every single one of us are committed to spiritual maturity. Unless every single one of us are committed to our ministry in the world, in our families, and in this place, we can't grow. All right, come on, stand with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord, church. Hallelujah. Take a moment and interact with the Holy Spirit, will you? Just take a moment and think about this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? How are you translating this to us? Holy Spirit, how are you convicting, comforting, challenging, encouraging right now? Just open your spirit up to the Holy Spirit. I've got a couple of words for you. Number one, uh, there's some of us in the room who feel really, really discouraged because you feel like you're not as far along as you should be. And I just felt the Spirit of God say, for some of you, you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be, okay? Some of you are in the room and you, and you know, you're like, God, I've squandered and I've wasted opportunities and I've wasted time. And I feel like the word for you is the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, I'm the God who redeems time. Let's get back on the track. Let's get back on the saddle and let's keep moving forward. Friends, be encouraged. Be encouraged today. All right, let's come to the table and we'll receive the body and the cup together.
Friends, here, here's the temptation. To, when you listen to a word like this, the temptation is I'm going to try harder. And that's not what this message is about, right? So the goal walking out of these doors is not, okay, uh, the coach like, yeah, I'm going to try. No, here, here it is. Every single day of your life presents opportunities for growth. So here, here's the response. Holy Spirit, by your grace, I say yes to your growth agenda. He's, he's, he's got the curriculum mapped out, right? So the response is yes by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Is that, is that clear? Don't walk out trying to do this in your own strength. You'll get perpetually frustrated. Okay, friends, with the body in our hand. Oh, God. Oh, so humbled and so grateful right now. Holy Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would come and that you would be within and be upon these sacramental elements in a way that only you can. And Lord, I don't understand it. it it's mystery to me, but we're saying, Holy Spirit, come right now and encounter us. Help us to encounter the living Christ, the resurrected Christ in the human, physical, earthly elements of bread and cup, which become unto us the body and the blood of Jesus by the Spirit of God. Right here, right here, God, let us encounter your faithful presence. The night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat, let us receive. Then he took the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Friends, your sins have been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Your bloodlines have been cleansed and redeemed. Your future has been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Let us receive today. Amen. Jonathan, would you lead us, please? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father. Son and Holy Amen and amen. Friends, if we can pray for you in any way in your life. Maybe you need encouragement for spiritual growth. Maybe you need somebody or want somebody to pray for healing for you, strength in your journey. Pray for your relationships, your marriage, your finances, whatever that is. Our prayer team has been praying for you all week long. They gathered this morning to pray for you. And it's part of their ministry to come alongside of you and agree with you and to bless you. So I invite you to come up here after the benediction. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, I pray that your spirit would send us into the world. Send us with faith. Send us with grace. Send us with joy. Send us with victory and hope. Send us with the life of the spirit of God dwelling within us and ministering and moving through us and being upon us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys.